Well, today I'm going solo. The question that I had today from Jacob was, can you go solo? So here we are uh, going solo. I told him I would do my best. So we'll see what we can do. Uh, anyway, so welcome everybody to Craft and Draft and uh, uh, Workshop. And this is Pam Ochoa and Jacob Chastain had so many meetings this weekend that we couldn't really uh, figure out a time. So I went ahead and decided to go solo. Um, and uh, first of all, I just want to thank everybody uh, who supports us on Patreon and everything else. So uh, I want to go ahead and thank our, our people. And that's Donna, Amanda, Matt, Jen, Laurie, Hannah, Andrea, Tracy, Susan, Lori, Destiny, Melissa, Carol, Courtney, Rebecca, Sarah, Mark, Leah, Brandy, Natalie, Amy, Alicia, and everybody else who uh, has been listening to us. But uh right now hasn't signed on to patreon but if you uh, want some bonus content things like that we'll be working on some things in the future um maybe some more videos and stuff we just haven't it's just been difficult with he's become a principal and it's just made things a little difficult because he's so busy with like you know how principals have to go through you know they have to go to every game they have to be there for every meeting and all of those things and it's kind of funny because um I was thinking about that uh, before I got on and I was thinking, uh, you know, when I was teaching, when I was in my own little room all by myself with my kids all day long, I was I was thinking, uh, you know, only about my little world and I was overwhelmed. I mean, I've had many years where you're overwhelmed. Some years I feel like I got it. And then the next year, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed again. I don't get it. They might change a policy or uh, different classes are a little bit different. Uh, they all each have their own personality. And so, you know, sometimes it meshes great. Sometimes not as you have to really work harder for your relationships in the classroom. But, um, but anyway, I was thinking when I got out of the classroom, I uh, became a, a GT specialist, and then I was busy testing kids all the time and trying to identify kids and sending uh, letters home. And and uh, again, I was overwhelmed because of the, the workload, but yet it was different from just being in the classroom all day. Of course, when I did that, I was in the classroom and I did that. So uh, that was kind of an interesting uh, time in my life. And um you know, I enjoyed it. I always loved it. But uh, then I, they asked me to be a, a, they moved me to be an instructional specialist, uh, an academic specialist where now I'm actually going into classrooms, uh, more than one school, several schools. And uh, so over the years, I've had plenty of opportunities, as most of you know, to see all different types of schools. But I went in and and uh, by helping everybody, that was another job that I had. Now, that's the closest to a principal that I've seen. I, I know that I would be in those meetings that uh, teachers weren't really privileged to be in. I would see how it worked behind the scenes, uh, outside of my classroom, um, going into all the different classrooms. And I just want to say this, every person and every job in uh, the schools and our school districts are are very important and they're all needed uh it's all necessary i think um and and i just want to say that they each have a demanding workload so sometimes we we uh I've, I've been known to see people leave a little early thinking oh my goodness i'm working harder than them and you know i have to sit back and when i got out outside of my classroom and saw 
the underpinnings of how everything worked. Of course, I, I was also a coach, so I saw the athletic side of it, and I drove buses, so I've seen that side of it. And uh, but I, you know, and, and I've been in the the business, not the business, but you know the the administration. When I did that curriculum stuff, I was more I was actually a li- liaison between the. Uh, curriculum offices. So I got to see that as well. I didn't experience it much, but it just seems like everybody has their own workload. So I think uh, right now with uh, uh, we're about to start seeing the testing environment and uh, that's all coming into play. And we're, I mean, you know, everything's, it's all busy. And this is the time now, February, the end of February, beginning of March is I think probably one of the most stressful times for everybody because this is when everybody starts thinking about the next year. And as they're thinking about the next year, they're, um, you know, you're starting to have your meetings. You're starting to give good news and bad news to people. You're starting to receive bad news or receive good news. Uh, it's when you find out that you might be moved or you might not be coming back for economic reasons or other things like that. So a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, pressure and all of that's going on. So my hat's off to all of you who are going through any aspect of that because it's just a very difficult time. And uh, but it is rewarding. I mean, I just, you know, living through all of that, I I um, you know, I miss it cuz I've been out for this whole year. I have to stay out for a full year before I can go back in. And I had the opportunity the other day, I was telling Jacob on the phone that I had the opportunity the other day to see some of our older, our bosses at the, you know, where we both work together at the ad building, the assistant superintendents and things like that. And so um, I kind of felt pretty good because they were like, you know, now when are you getting to come back? So that made me feel good. They said they missed me. We'll see. But I thought that was very nice of them to say. So, uh, but anyway, so I'll probably do something with schools this next, next year. We'll have to see. Uh, what what comes up and what's available. Hopefully, maybe some consulting or things like that would be fun. But anyway, what I wanted to talk about today or what we were going to talk about together, and that's essay writing. I mean, we're at the testing. We're, we're, we're walking right into testing time period where a lot of people and a lot of teachers are trying their best to get their kids ready. Um, I know here in the state of Texas, just from being a part of the change last year, there's a huge emphasis on writing and the way um, our emphasis in our state is writing across the curriculum. Uh, I think every, everything but math and math has a little bit of a different, haven't really looked at its test, but it, it's a little bit different, but there's writing in our science. Uh, you know, there's at least a short answer uh, in science. Uh, answer uh, written answers in history, written answers in, uh, of course, English and and reading, and so writing across the curriculum is very important. But the what they're testing now, uh, at least for us, and that might be the way across everywhere else. Uh, let us know if if it's different or if you have any questions. But uh, writing essays, I think, is probably the I, I don't know. I think it's it's an easy way to get into a, I don't know, kind of a, a, a hole of not really thinking, but going through the motions is kind of where I'm going with that. Um, I think that's when all the formulas start coming out, the little, you know, you have to do it this way. I know that we have different uh, acronyms 
which can be helpful, but you know, like uh, ACE and ACT and uh, there's all kinds. I mean, I could go through them, but right now I don't have them in front of me, so I'm out of trouble <laughs> remembering them. But anyway, um, I've been a little under the weather as well. So um, anyway, struggling a little bit there, but I'm okay. Uh, let's see. So, so essay writing. Um, one of the things that as a, as a teacher, I wanted to get out of the essay writing was where the students actually discovered something for themselves, that they really discovered something and uh, something new would pop up into their brains, something exciting that would uh, inspire them to want to learn more. That's one of the things that I was, I always wanted to get for my students is enlightenment, if you will, eye-opening moments. And so when I started, when I, you, most of y'all all know that I uh, went to a writing institute way back when called uh, the New Jersey Writing Project in Texas, which is now called Abydos uh, Literacy International. And, um, but one of the, our, the, the founding person for that or the the members was uh dr joyce armstrong carol you've heard me talk about her a lot and then her husband eddie wilson and uh she learned at rutgers university in in new jersey and the person that was her professor was a lady named dr janet emig and dr janet emig is uh now in her 90s but she is responsible uh for the idea of of the writing process in the classroom. She's she's really the one that when she wrote her her article and um they did a huge study with her, Peter Elbow, uh some other uh great great people. They all did their uh Lucy Calkins, those people, and then uh they all did this huge research, uh, I think especially um and it was over the writing process of 12th graders. Actually, she wrote called the composing process of 12th graders. And so she looked at it and she said there were two modes of writing mainly. And it's the, um, you know, that writing from uh, self and then writing for others. And it's the essay writing that that we look at as writing for others, not necessarily for self. But when we can make it about self, and we can we can see ourselves in it. And and when I would say make it about ourselves, our our essay writing can, it should be a response to the world, a response to our like a literary uh, critique or literary analysis should be our response to what we just read. I mean, it was so good that we want to say these things about it, or it was so not great that we want to you know, analyze and pick it apart. But those are the things that it has to be a response from the student, a realization uh, from the writer about something new or something that they noticed maybe for the first time or something that intrigues them and they want to go further into it and investigate it more. And uh, and that's where uh, Dr. Emig said that 
and I, and I could that she said that writing is a mode of learning and and I think it's from there is where I got this idea and I I started in high school that's where I started teaching I started well actually I I I, I take that back I did do junior high but that was just me just hanging on because that was my first year and it was history and I taught Texas history and then I taught eighth grade at and seventh grade English at a junior high and it was mainly literature and the they just began testing in Texas for writing so so I was actually writing with all these formulas because um the kids would have to write well, it could be tested on any uh, two different ones, two different ones, but you didn't know it, and you didn't know what it was going to be about. You didn't know if it was going to be a persuasive writing piece. You didn't know if it was going to be a classificatory that was actually uh, on the test. The kids had to know what the meaning of classificatory is and how to approach that. And the only way at that time before my training, I knew how to do it was through um, well, th I'm sorry about my pause there, but uh, through formulas, through little handouts, little ditto pages. Uh, I, I know that we've talked about the ditto machine before, but uh, that's that purple purple paper that we would get out and you'd have to learn how to do that. But we would um, use that machine. Uh, so anyway, but we would hand those papers out and the kids would write their little sentence in the first one and their little sentence in the second box and then their little sentence in the third box. And we would teach them first, then second, then third point, and then in conclusion. And it was a formula. And so they got that's how I was first taught how to teach essay writing. Well, the problem with that is it's their or it, it's not their organization. It's not the writer's organization. It's my organization. So at that point in time, I was an assigner of the essay. I would give them a prompt. I would tell them how to answer it. And then I would read the most boring essays uh, and very short, brief essays. And they used the words very, very, very all the time. And I didn't know how to go about doing it. And so when I actually learned how to teach writing in a, in a better way through Abydos was uh, in high school. So I started out with literary analysis papers and things like that and persuasive essays. They were being tested on that. And so, uh, so it, I, I found out real fast that if they didn't have a little bit of themselves in the writing, then it just wasn't it just was going to be a mundane writing. I mean, I wanted them to get the highest score and it's that enlightenment that they get from the writing that, that part that they learn from the writing that they add to their writing piece that moves. And if it's done well, it will move that writing uh, into a higher level just because it's so profound that the, the graders can't help, but, uh, just say, wow. And uh, so that's what you want, but it's, it's difficult to teach. So what you have to do to teach it is you have to start writing at the beginning every day. And that was one of the things, and I know you've heard us say this over and over, and Jacob said it as well. And that is, uh, you have to write every day. I, I mean, I'm really worried. I said this about I guess a few uh, podcasts ago, and that is, I'm really worried with this idea that um, 
we're going back to where we tell the students what to write. Uh, when I left uh, last year, um, there was a lot of push for these, you know, we have to respond to this literature. So we have to have our answer. Then we have to have our evidence and, and we have to do it. Um, oh, and then we have to have our commentary. So ACE, I guess is what that was our, our answer and then our commentary and then our evidence. And so again, going back to that model, you have to probably have those things. I'm not saying you don't include those things, but it's how you go about getting the kids to do it or getting your, your students to do it is, is a little bit more than just a formula. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, one of the the books that has really helped me and the lesson that really helped me uh, first was with persuasive writing. I think, um, let me just go back though. Let me go back. I'm so sorry, but let me go back. Because what I was saying is you have to teach them how to write all across the board. So you have to start every day with the writing. You have to start every day with the writing. And so they have to write something. And it's best if they start from themselves. It's best if they start with what they know the most. Now, the problem in the classroom right now, and this is where why I got sidetracked a little bit, is because the problem right now at the classroom is there's so much pressure to answer these essays uh, for the test that we're skipping. I have I, I, I think under pressure, teachers know what to do, but because of the pressure, they'll end up skipping the part that makes the kids the writers. I mean, it's the part that makes them the writer. Um, I was looking at uh, some books before I got on just to kind of, you know, go. I went back to my shelf uh, where I still have all my books and and I have a whole shelf that's all about writing and different writing and essays and stuff. So I just pulled a few of them and one that I've used over the years. And of course, um, when I looked at Penny Kittle's uh, Right Beside Them, that's one of the books. And my books are a little bit older because uh, that's when I bought them was when I was learning how to do all this. And so um, one of the quotes that she pulled in her book uh, right beside them, she actually, you can tell she had been learning and reading books because another book that I have on my shelf is After the End by Barry Lane, which is one of the first books. And and uh, it's, an, it's an older book, but it is worth it. You need to get that. And his book, After the End, will help all of you who teach elementary all the way up to high school. It will help. Uh, it's all about, but most of it, you can tell that he mainly gears most of his ideas or the book is, you can tell he's actually talking to young uh, teachers who teach young neophyte writers. But I think his ideas uh, as a teacher, you can look and see what the needs of your students are. And it's a great way if you have struggling writers to to help them. And it's his book called After the End. So anyway, Penny Kittle quoted something, and this goes back to what how I started, and that was about formulas. Uh, Barry Lane, she quoted Barry Lane in her book from After the End, writers don't need to be given formulas. They need to be shown possibilities. And I just thought that was profound. And I wanted to share that with you because I feel like that goes all the way back to uh, Dr. Emmett's, um 
you know, writing is a mode of learning. The possibilities that Barry Lane talks about there and that Penny Kittle highlights is the possibilities that as a writer, all the different things you can think about. What are all the different types of responses you can have to a, a book? I mean, one of my um, uh, favorite books is A Separate Piece. I remember teaching that. And it's, 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 um, when the the boys are having that they're you know they're going out and, the, and then there's this accident uh that occurs and uh it's it very tragic but it it really speaks to the the heart of um of that student who's actually gotten into Phineas's character and um and so how many different ways can you respond to a text well louise Rosenblatt from 1930 says that you can respond typically about six different ways. You can have a psychological response. You can have an emotional response. And so uh, you can have just um, and uh, try to think I don't have those written in front of me, but you can have there's six different ones, an emotional experiential response you can experience. Uh, you can have a connection response. Um, you can have a response where you're just something that you've learned from it, that type of uh, intellectual type response. So what you want is you you want your your students to write from literature uh, with all of these different types of responses. Uh, so you start again with themselves. Now, Penny Kittle says that when you start at the beginning, and, and Jacob and I both talked about it, uh, Jacob likes to talk, he's talked about how, he likes to bring something forward for the student to go, whoa, I never thought about that before. And he talks about, um, and we've also shared it uh, on our Patreon account, I think. And, and that is um, where he uh, shares a video uh, about identity. And uh, so this is just one example that he does. He has several, but I'm not in there every day. So I don't, but this one I have actually seen because I went in and watched him do it. And that is, he's got, uh, he starts off with this video and this video is about identity. And so the whole thing is a theme about identity and who you are and how do you respond to the world around you. And so he starts there and it goes into a way that, I mean, uh, the kids, he, he runs that video twice uh, and then he'll follow it up with a, with a poem and, uh, and then uh, about, again, someone's identity and how they've responded uh, to things that are happening to them. And then he has the students talk about it and then he says, go write. And they're so used to that process. And, and, and he might do a mini lesson on something specific after he's done that. He might do a mini lesson specific to a piece of uh, a writing technique that he wants the students to know and try. And then he'll say, go write and try that technique in your writing. And I do that as well. And so uh, and so by doing that, he has these kids, his students explore all the possibilities. Uh, they each come to that those videos and they come to that poem and they come to whatever else, the mini lesson in a different way. But but they all come to that with the idea that they're going to be writing and they're going to be writing deeply. Uh, Penny Kittle also says in her book that 
writing about literature makes writers deeper readers. And, uh, and so, so I would say at the beginning of the year, and now it's already in the middle of the year, so it's not too late, but I would start, it, I would start with their own story. I would read about other people's stories and I would read a lot of people's response to life. And that's those essays. Uh, if somebody has a, uh, you know, right now we, there's um, oh, a lot, just, you can just turn on the news or turn on, on anything uh, like, well, I know that last year uh, we did a lot about space because, you know, IA was coming out and uh, robots and this idea, you know, we just landed on the moon. So uh, with my seventh graders, we did a lot about technology. And so we would read poems about technology. We would read uh, people's responses and essays about technology, uh, informational text about technology. But we would read a lot of different things about technology, about robots. And then we would read some things that really asked some profound questions that the kids were asking. And then so the kids would, you know, what questions are you asking? What have you learned? What do you want to know more about? And so what I would do is have the students list, you know me, I love listing, but this is why it just, it's so succinct and the kids can actually they can look down that list and circle something now I have evidence that they've actually pre-thought about something because I'm supposed to teach about pre-planning and then they write about it and while they write about it you know now they're they're planning and then they write now what I typically do uh sometimes is that they'll they'll want to learn more about it so they circle what they're going to write about or what they're going to talk about. Right now, it's just a one-topic sentence or one, I mean, it's just a one-topic word usually in a list. So then um, at, by this time, I've already taught them how to write their own stories. I've taught them, you know, m maybe how to uh, write some poetry, just to write in general. We've done a lot of free writing. We've done writing off of our memories. We've uh, we've written uh, from books. I usually start with poems because they're shorter and they're easier to manage in time because uh, time restraints are huge in the classroom. And y'all all know that, so I don't have to go into that. But sometimes to save time, I pick shorter profound speeches. You can get excerpts from uh, different books. I know that Sandra Cisneros... Um, uh, she's got some from, um, oh, I lost the name. This is where Jacob is really helpful because he has all these names. Um, right now, I can only think of the uh, the red sweater, uh, seventh grade. Um, but anyway, uh, let's just, you know, even from that, you could take a, a piece of that or that that's just a short story. So you could take that short story and the kids could write about it. They could write about well, several things. Let's just look at that. And this is from um, uh, seventh grade by, I think it's seventh grade by Sandra Cisneros. It's where she has the, she's in class and it's her birthday. And you can, you can have the students just real quickly read that first part and then ask, what is so significant about the balloons? 
Why is she using the balloons here? What what do the balloons indicate? You can have a discussion with that. And then you can say, okay, now write down what you think it is. They write it down in their in their craft book. Uh, and then you go through, read a little bit more, have a pause. You can read that. What I usually do is read the whole thing all the way through. And then I go back and then I say, okay, what do you think she means about the balloons? And then why the color red? I mean, what does red symbolize? So you can have them write about that red, or you can have them write about an experience that they've had personally. They can actually just connect to it. Reading, writing connection is what Abydos calls it. And that is just where they connect to the writing, the, uh, the reading, and then they write about it. So was there ever a time that you got in trouble in the classroom for something that you didn't do? It was someone else's fault. And I think everybody did. So write about that, you know, and so you can, you can do those things. All right. Now they have a little bit of a list of different things that they've written about. Now they, they look at it and now you can talk about the theme. What do you think the message is? Why did the writer why did Sandra Cisneros write this piece? Why was it so important to her that she had to respond to the world around her? Now, yes, this is kind of a little memoir, but you could do the same thing with um, uh, you could do the same thing with with an article about what's going on in seventh grade today, or you could write read an article about bullying, uh, cyberbullying, and things like that, or write. You know, and so you could read that article to them. I don't have one in my head right now, but I'm just thinking of what people might write about and say, okay, why was it so important that that author thought this was big enough to write about? What makes it so important to write about? And so the kids are, you know, they talk about it, think about it. Okay, so now what part of what you just experienced do you want to write about? And now the kids can go in and they start writing. Well, from there, now you have to start talking. You, you get them to do that quite a bit. Right. And we would do that every day, but we would be reading all the different things, too, uh, that they're supposed to, you know, like the things that maybe even the school district wants me to read, uh, especially in today's world with censorship, things like that. Um, but you can talk about theme and, and things like that now with that. And, and, and now if you start doing informational text or persuasive text, things like that, you can say, okay, now that we've done all of these things and I've shown you all these different types of writings because, and I, and, and I think a lot of it is we read aloud. That's important. So we, you, they, the kids have got to hear these things. They've got to see all the different ways that writers write about different topics. After you see all of that, now the students have different possibilities. You've given them possibilities. Now, in the meantime, some of my, some, if, if, if I know that for that six weeks or that nine weeks, whatever that unit is supposed to be, because a lot of us are restricted by the curriculum that we have to, we have to go by. I mean, we don't all get to choose our own curriculum anymore. So, uh, so when you're looking at that, let's say it's a persuasive unit, all right, now I have to write a persuasive unit. Well, now what I've got to teach is how to do a claim. I got to teach. So so I'll take that. We'll do lots of different topics. All, I'll show them all different types of things about persuasion. We'll show different ways that people can persuade. And then we'll look at how what they all have in common. And so we start teaching them. At that time, I start teaching them the patterns. I might even direct teach because if we're getting closer to testing, then I might say this is what they're going to be looking for. So in a, a, a genre, a testing genre 
persuasive piece of essay, this is what you have to have no matter what. No matter what, you have to have a thesis statement. No matter what, you have to have a claim, whatever it is. No matter what, you have to have, you know, a, a theme in your story. You have to have that no matter what. And so then you spend some time just pulling out different uh, topics or not different topics, different thesis statements. And you have the students study those thesis statements. And then you make sure that though, that when you do that, you, it has to be well-written thesis statements. Don't show them bad ones first. You always want to show them the good ones. And that really comes from, I get that kind of from uh, Jeff Anderson, one of the things when, he, you know, I take his noticing ideas where we notice the sentence, well, you can take that, his idea of noticing the sentence and, uh, and he wrote the patterns of power, uh, you know, power of uh, patterns of power, I guess is what it was called. And so, but in that he does, he has the students notice the sentence. So you can take several really well-written um, thesis statements, well-written, if you're doing persuasive, well-written claims, uh, proposition statements, depending on your level and where you're at. Or if you're in a lower level, well-written controlling ideas. And so you take that at, at your grade level and you look at it and you have the students do some practice with it. You teach them what a good a good thesis statement has in it, and then you put several in front of them, and then the students start noticing. And I like them to notice first by themselves, and then they write notes in their craft book. And then I might even give them the sentences to, to paste in their craft book. Or sometimes I like to have them, I'm a little more... I like uh, scrapbooking and art and stuff like that. So I'll spend sometimes I'll steal sometimes some uh, for my students to be able to put in envelopes and glue envelopes. So sometimes I'll have them just take those uh, those sentence strips and just fold them up and put them in there in 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 a little. Um, envelope. So that's me a little bit different. I don't know if Jacob would spend time for that. He would just have them pasted in there. That's what I'm thinking. But anyway, uh, with that said, uh, they can go through and they can determine, they can look at different uh, thesis statements and they find patterns and they write those patterns down. And then as a group, we talk about the patterns and then we get up there and we talk about what do all these good thesis statements have in common and then what you're actually doing is you're creating a rubric for the students while you're teaching them what a good thesis statement is. And then you follow up with them applying that. So now they've done all this writing about this topic. They've looked at it different ways. And now what you're going to do is say, okay, now take, take your topic that you're looking at and what is your opinion? What do you think? Uh, you can prove what, you know, give me something that you have a position that you've discovered a position on. And that's from all the reading that they've done. And, and so then they take that writing or their, their thoughts, and then they start practicing thesis statements. And uh, you can, anyway, it's, just, it's a lot of fun that way. And then they share each other's thesis statements. And then from there, they write the antithesis. I like to always write the opposite. And so they write the antithesis statement. Now, what I have them do is they stop and then they go research. 
and uh, they don't write anymore. They just research. I might give them some note cards or whatever. They can use their their computers, whatever they have to write their notes. I'm not picky about that like like it was when I grew up. I remember getting a grade for my note my notebooks, uh, not my notebooks, but my note cards. I had to have 25. I had, they all had to have, you know, these things. Now, I do take time to show them how to organize their writing, their their ideas. And so that's always a good thing to do. I just don't make it so big of a grade that 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 it all becomes about where they put their notes. Uh, I just have chosen not to go that route. Uh, but I do show them what's good. Now, I think the higher you go in the level, um, there may be something a little more specific. You know, I would give them more tools, more options uh, that they can choose from to organize their notes. But I would definitely show them some possibilities. And um, so anyway, they do their their research and I have them put all their research in that one area, like in their notebook or whatever it is where they're keeping it. They don't look at after after a certain amount of time, they don't look at us. OK, now what we're going to do is we're going to look at our thesis statement and we're going to write. And so now they just write, they write whatever's on their mind about their topic that answers that thesis statement or the antithesis statement. They can choose either one to be their thesis statement, and they're going to argue for for that, um, for their claim. And so then after they do that, then they go back in and they look at all of their notes and they look and see what they've written. And now what they have to do is they have to I have the students go through their notes and find quotes from their notes that support what they've said. And if they have some, they find some things in their notes that they're like, oh, I forgot that. I should have written that in. Well, now we're revising and they can revise and figure out where they need to add those points. Now, um, a lot of time, to me, that's more fun. I think the students enjoy that. They are becoming thinkers while doing that. Uh, they're thinking deeply about their topic. I would do the same thing, even if it's writing about that literature. So the color red, and and so maybe they do something about, they go through and look at other things that Sandra Cisneros wrote. Did she ever use balloons or red elsewhere? And she has. So. How, why does she use it that way? And so you can do a literary analysis on her use of balloons or her use of bread or her use of symbolism. And so now you have the kids go research all of that. So whatever piques their curiosity is what they go and they they research on. So I find that a little more fun than just um, formula. Now, when we're talking about formula, I've also been where no matter what, we all ha or have to show that we're on the same page. Um, and so I share these ideas a lot of times with my my friend, my teacher friends that I work with. And um, some of them who are workshop teachers will go, oh, yeah, that's right up my alley. Other people uh, a lot of times will go, I don't I don't get it. And so. We've as a group, we've all decided to do, you know, they all decided to do this one formula. And um, so there's again, 
after I teach them how to do that, then I will show them the different formulas as well. And I call, and I won't say formulas, but I'll say these are patterns. So what we would do then is I kind of go in a different way. And that is we've written it, right? And then I'll I'll show them a pattern and I'll say, how many of you followed this pattern? And then they all say, you know, either they did or they didn't. I might not say that pattern exactly, but I might say, how many of you have these elements? So I might throw that up there. Do you have, did you answer your question? Did you answer that thesis statement? Yes. Did you have commentary? Yes. Did you support evidence? Yes. Okay. That is what we call ACE. Um, I'm just using that one because that's the only one in my head. I know there's many, many more. There's so, I mean, there's so many of them that uh, you could just, uh, there's raft for stories. There's, there's just all different kinds that, and I've used them, but I use them more like this. And so, so I might throw whatever patterns uh, or what some might call formula up there. And so instead of having the kids teach them the formula first and then have them try to fit their their paper in that formula. What I do is have them write, and then let's use that formula to analyze our writing. And so now they're looking at their writing and they're making notes. Yes, I do have information. Yes, I do have my topic sentence. Yes, I have information. Uh, yes, I have um, uh, support or references yes i've cited my material whatever you're whatever you want them to do you can show them several of them and say okay have you do you have these so see these are all you know whatever you're supposed to do according to your curriculum because a lot of times that's what i found is that that they all say okay we're going to do this and we've got to color code it and so um, I've had them do that where I have to color code. So my A would be a certain color, my C would be a certain color. And then and so then I would give them three different colors. You know, that's that was what the lesson was. So what I would do, I would have them all right. And then I would use the colors to, okay, now they get highlighters and they highlight their answer. Anything that answers that question, they highlight that in blue. See, so they're still using ACE, but they're using it in a way to analyze their writing to see, do I have all the parts that's expected on that test? And do I have anything extra that doesn't need to be on there? So now let's revise it. Okay. Now, when it comes to the test itself, so I've, I've done all of that. So my next step now would be, now we're getting closer to the test. And the most important thing, um, on the most important thing is can that student read the question and answer it they have to be able to read the question and understand what that question is they have to know all the different parts of that question so the mode and the means they have to know what they have to be able to figure out what the mode is. What do they want me to write in? Do they want me to write a personal essay? Do they want me to write an informational text? And if they want me to write an informational text, what is it about? Okay, so write it. Uh, tell us about why the author used red. Okay, um, how did the author use red? Uh, how did the author 
develop the character by using red now that we're doing that so so whatever it is i would have the students at this point just like i did those thesis statements now i would look at prompts and i would find as many different prompts as i could find uh what i typically did is if they released a test like in texas they would release different essays and the test, the questions that went with it. So as they release those tests, I would start and I would get me a bank of questions, a bank of uh, prompts. And so what I would do then is I would take those prompts. And, and even if it was uh, for College Board, I would still take my literature and uh you know, when they're doing literature or uh, language, I would take those essay prompts. And uh, if I was doing, I would do the same thing with when I taught Texas history, for example, uh, I would find all the different uh, DBQ. This is all college board, college board. They had to write DBQs and uh, they were given like nine in the actual AP tests are given, I think somewhere around nine different uh, pieces that they have to read quickly different essays that they have to read. And then they have to pull information off of that. That article that they, um, or, you know, the different, the maps and stuff that they had to read, things like that. And then they would um, have to pull that information. Anyway, they'd have to pull their information off of that to answer their questions. So it's everything that I've already taught them, but now they have to just go back in and do it like the test wants them to. I'm sorry, I'm struggling a little bit. Hang on just a second. I've been under the weather a little bit, so I had to pause it for a second and cough. Sorry about that. But anyway, they so it's the same thing that I've taught them. Like they go and they they research, they find all these things. They write, and then they put their answers in there. So now what I want to do is I want to imitate the test as close to possible so that they get used to writing it that way. And so it's the same process. I make that connection to with them, and then that's what they do. So it doesn't matter. It could be the science. It could be any of those. But they have to read. So, like, I know that, that uh, they may have, like, two stories that they have to read or a story in a poem or an informational text in a story. They'll have like more than one genre. And now they have to answer why, how did the two authors discuss, you know, uh, whatever the topic is. And now you have to teach the students. They have to have their, their, they have to have their thesis statement, no matter what, no matter what. And that's the one thing you teach them. <laughs> is to have, excuse me, is to have a thesis statement, no matter what. And, and you've already worked on thesis statements. So now what they do is you have them practice. So you give them all these different prompts, you give them the readings, uh, everything that, you know, everything that you have found that's going to help them on that test. And then, um, and you still do all the other stuff. You still read, you still do all of those things. They practice with their own reading, and now you go and you give them a, a prompt, and now they practice off of those prompts. So you can you can do it where they're still doing their own their own stuff, but then you have to show them how to do the test questions and how to actually answer those. You've been doing this the whole time; they just didn't know that's what you were doing, and that's kind of how I approach essay writing. And then. Um, 
also conference, conference, conference. And uh, another another book that I'll make sh- want to make sure that I share with you, and that is a book again, an older book. I hope it's still in print, but it's Jim Burke. English teacher's companion, and he had a website way back when. When I say way back when, I mean way back when, and uh, when websites and all that came out. So he's uh, long since retired, I believe, but he wrote a book called The English Teacher's Companion, and he had his own way, and he taught seniors. So he would uh, have his own way of, of teaching, but it's also a good resource if you if you teach. Um, if you have to teach these essays and things like that. Uh, But one of the things he says, and the reason I thought of it right now, is he talked about what a conference looks like. So he talked about conferences. Penny Kittle in her book that I mentioned talks about conferences. I do believe that Dr. Carol, she's written many books uh, and always in, and even in the acts of teaching that she wrote, um, always talks about conferences and there you just, and, and I know that um, Jacob does most of his teaching uh, through conferencing. He does as many lessons and then he walk. I've, I've watched him teach. He, then he walks around the room. The kids are all working and uh, they're all at different places because he does a true workshop and, but he goes and he conferences. He does, he likes to walk around the room and he goes through each table. Um, me, a lot of times I'll sit in one place and have the kids come to me. I, I had to do that years ago. I've had some surgeries where I'd have to just sit and they'd have to come to me. But either way, conferencing, conferencing, conferencing. I just can't say enough about that. And we we also have some uh, some audios, some episodes that where we actually talked about conferencing. Um, so we might want to have to talk to Jacob about pulling that out of our archives and that we might can post that somewhere, but anyway, um, but I know I've talked to y'all quite a bit and, uh, but we wanted to talk about essays today. Sorry that Jacob's not with us today, but he had such a busy schedule this particular week. We couldn't make it work. So, um, and then of course I was, when he could do it, I was, I was under the weather. So it's one of those things. But uh, again, I just think at the end, the last thing I really want to say to you is don't quit. Don't give up. Love what you do and figure out a way to help these kids love writing and I and reading about it and writing about what they read. And I think the best way to do that is to read aloud Show your enjoyment in your reading. Point out things that help them learn something new about themselves, learn something new about the world, and then have them write about it. Anyway, I hope you. I hope this has been helpful. Um, if you have any questions, if y'all have any questions, you can come on our website, uh, craftanddraftworkshop.com. Uh, we also are on Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe, leave reviews. That also helps us pop up a little bit more. Uh, some of y'all have left reviews, and I, boy, we sure do appreciate them. Thank you so much for that. And then um, Jacob always closes out. But uh, just remember, everyone, that uh, both of us, we're, we're here for you. And uh, we really, we just really hope for helpful. And uh, I hope you have a good, a, a good week. Thank you, everyone.
Bye-bye.